0: Well, first of all, he shows up on screen looking like a kid in our town playing a grandpa.
1: And welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 35. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite music artists to listen to each week. And I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films. And we come together on this very podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my good friend... Matt... God, my voice. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) I've got a little bit of a sore throat. Forgive me. Uh... I watched Collateral this week, and you listened to Portishead. My name is
1: Matt Runquist. Yes, it I'm, is Matt Runquist. I, I, have, I have a little bit of a I have a little bit of a throat Aww. thing. So oh, I'm sorry to hear you got a froggy in your throat. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we can power through and uh, and get this get this episode to the can. Well, the um, nice thing is is that it does
0: actually give me a little bit more of a radio voice than I usually have. So.
1: Yeah, there you go. It gives you that deepness. I always am interested when I have laryngitis or whatever, and then when I'm able to talk again for a couple of days, I get that nice berry White sound that mm-hmm. way down here, and uh, I think that's very interesting. Uh, the human body is strange and weird. Um, <laughs> so how was your week, Ben, man? Uh, I had a good week. It was the last week of
0: summer for a lot of people. In the sense that this was, uh, we're recording this on Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. Yes. Solidarity. On actual
1: Labor Day, not on Sunday either. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is this the first time you've been on strike on Labor Day?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I suppose it is. Because I've never been on strike before. Oh, there personally. you go.
0: Yeah. So per- yeah. power to the people. I did get out of town a little bit this weekend, went down to see some friends in Illinois. That'll be a reference later. Remember that. Um, okay. And uh, that was really fun. Had a great time. Uh otherwise all is well here. Everyone's healthy, everyone's happy. There's uh, very little to report. It's very hot here. Very hot. Oh, mid 90 really? mid 90s plus humidity. So very wow. very very hot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the Wisconsin I remember and uh, not fondly. <laughs> uh well that's great. I actually had a fairly interesting week. Uh, nothing super special, but I did um uh so the big news as far as striking is that my job which is on a show that is not covered under the contract that is currently on strike so we you know sag has different contracts with different you know that covers different things and my contract is not renegotiated until next year on this show and so the only reason we're not working is because the writers are on strike and so, but technically we're coming into our next season and so we have to do rehearsals. And so they called me and they're like, hey, are you available to come in and work? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess so. So, uh, I got a couple days coming up and then we'll see It there is some rumor that they're going to try to do the show without writers, which Ooh. would be interesting. It's a talk show. Yeah. So, uh, that would be interesting. I don't know what the deal is, but, uh, I'm, I'm curious to find out. So, um. And then yesterday, so I, I, I played Ultimate Frisbee on Saturday and played so hard. It was raining here, which was very weird on a, a you know, in the September, early September. And so we played out in the rain and uh, I did three whole games and then left with bad blisters on my big toes, on both big toes, and had already agreed to meet a friend to play tennis today. So I was a little nervous about that, but it went great. Uh, and not only was I nervous about the toes, but also I hadn't picked up a tennis racket in four years since before the pandemic. When I moved to Japan, I got rid of my tennis racket with everything else. Mm-hmm. And even then I'd only been playing very sporadically with, you know, a friend here and there. Sure. So I was very rusty, but, uh, it felt great to pick up a racket again and play. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, today we took, after that, I came home and then hooked up the puppy trailer and took Coco to the dog park, the big dog park. That's a bit of a bike ride away. And she had a great time. Now she's passed out at my feet. And nice. uh, yeah. Yeah, so we're having we're having a good weekend uh, here too. Still working on the edit for the inspector novel which I mentioned last week and I think making some good um making some good progress on that. Uh, speaking of Coco though, was that Coco at the end of the episode uh Yes, it last was. Year. Yeah, you That's heard so that. so funny. Yeah. It, well, you know, it, because we're recording today on a Monday, I've had time to actually listen to the entirety of, of the episode that came out yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was able to, I heard her do her little bark, which must have been somewhere in the middle of the episode that you yes, put in. Yes, I dropped That's it That's great. Here, yep. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, one other thing about last week's episode, since I just listened to it today, is uh, we were talking about uh, the Barbie movie, and uh, and you had mentioned how, you know, they've... Sold a billion dollars in tickets and are probably going to sell billions more in merchandising. And it occurred to me: are they are they going to make a weird Barbie doll like on purpose? I mean, I would assume so. I I haven't looked. Me either, but I, I'll bet that that's going to be a thing. And what an interesting, what an interesting little meta reverse like thing that would
0: be you know it reminds me of in the guitar world so I've been I've been looking at you know musical instruments lately because that's what you do Mm -hmm. when you're learning guitar and there is a habit in the very high end guitar market to do what's called relicking to guitars so that's huh. taking brand new guitars and then making them look as if they have been played for thirty or forty years so they oh. they actually damage the finish and they'll like
1: they basically like pre-age the guitar yeah like acid washing your jeans or something uh,
0: yeah but even more intense and huh. I find it just fascinating right because yeah sure it's like acid washing your jeans or anything else but of course these things demand a price premium over the regular guitars and i find that right. insane because it's you know you have to pay like an extra thousand dollars for some guy out in california to take a sander to your guitar you know yes. which i think yeah, is that pretty funny pretty funny so yeah. the idea that there would be a super weird barbie that Uh, has had basically a child relicking it uh, is kind of funny.
1: Yeah. Are you the type... So I'm getting that you're not the type to be into uh, stuff that is purposefully made to look older.
0: I mean, not unless there's like a reason for it, right? So like if you're making a prop for a movie or something, that's kind of cool, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's not what I'm talking about. But
0: Uh, yeah, no, I... I don't think that so when I, I mean, when it comes to authenticity, I'm all about it. Right. And that strikes me as being extremely
1: inauthentic, inauthentic. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, I, I don't think I, I, I. my equation in my mind, the thing that I you know, relate to is the acid washed jeans thing where I just never really got into the idea of buying jeans that were that had holes in them from the factory, like were new. But they were already like pre-hold and pre, you know, distressed. So, um, uh, so yeah, that's an interesting. That's an interesting. I don't know thing that happens. I mean, but, I'm um, totally
0: pro it for super weird Barbie. So,
1: I, 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 I I'm really curious if uh, a weird Barbie is on the uh, 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 on the forecast for for future merch. But uh, I'd be surprised if it wasn't at this point. Yeah, I think yeah, it's probably a sure. good idea. She was a big important part of the movie. movie. So.
0: <laughs> uh, i don't know about that maybe you uh, know she'll
1: probably get a spin-off tv show on uh on mattel plus yeah uh, their new streaming channel but i'm sure I don't know if they're gonna have one yeah who would they partner with oh warner brothers duh so yeah, probably what's the warner brothers uh channel they must have one. Oh, hbo or max god it's all so confusing
0: oh uh, max is, is such indeed. a
1: stupid name for a streaming network anyway Ugh, I hate and I, I hate when I log on. And this is me being like a cranky old man, like, "Hey kids, get off my lawn." But um, I hate when you know I, I put on Max and like now it's all reality shows that it's recommended to me. Okay. Uh, because because those are the Discovery Channel shows that have oh, been okay. bought over, okay. and it's no longer like a prestige place to go for good television and good movies. Well, it's... that was
0: why they dropped the name HBO is because they were yeah. afraid they were scaring off users with that the, hbo
1: they were scaring off the discovery users well I they guess. were
0: scaring off i mean i think they were scaring off just people who
1: think of hbo as like too fancy for us too fancy okay yeah i mean the game of thrones you know was i don't know if it's fancy it's expensive but uh yeah i don't know the world is changing and i don't like it wow okay <laughs> old man <laughs> well, uh, what do you what
0: do you say we get into the meat here, Travis?
1: Yeah, let's get to the meat. Let's get to the meat. Let's shake it up and do... Uh, let's do the movie first. We haven't done the movie first in a long time, actually. Okay. All right. Uh, great. I'm going to call it. So uh, I had you watch the movie Collateral, which is a uh, 2004 film directed by Michael Mann. Michael Mann was uh, well known for doing uh, movies like Heat and, um, what, Thief. Uh, what else? He did something. Oh, The Insider. That was the other big one that I remembered for him doing. And um, he did Ali with Will Smith. Anyway, so he did uh, this movie with uh, Tom Cruise and Jamie Fox. And uh, Jamie Fox was actually nominated for an Academy Award for it. And it's the story of a um, of a cab driver who picks up a an assassin, and the assassin's like. Hey, you're pretty good at this. You're really fast, and you're you're great at getting around the city. And uh, how about I pay you like to have you for the whole night? And uh, Jamie Foxx is like, oh, okay. And but the first stop that they go on, Cruz kills a guy, and the guy falls out the window and lands on the cab. And so now they're in it together. And it's an interesting. It's basically a character study of both of these people. And I found it fascinating because Cruz plays the villain, essentially, and um, and that's not something he ever does. I think this might be the only time he's ever played the villain, except for if you count the agent in Tropic Thunder. Uh, but I don't. I mean, I would count really.
0: Magnolia, too. Uh, his um, yeah,
1: you know what? Ma- I haven't in Magnolia Magn- one time.
0: Yeah, his character in Magnolia is, uh, wow, a raging raging terrible person. there are a lot of words that we're not gonna use here because <laughs> it's a family podcast, but yeah, he's I would definitely say he's the bad okay,
1: guy. Okay, okay, fair Virginia. enough. Uh well let me tell you briefly why I liked this movie. Uh it's uh it's so I had seen it back when it came out, probably in theaters, I think, and uh not since then. And a couple of things that I've liked that on this rewatch that I definitely didn't peg the first time through, but first of all, I love that L.A. is such a character in this movie. Now that I've lived here for 20 years, uh, it was really interesting to see L.A. in such a very specific way, and done correctly. Like, there are movies like, um, oh, I don't know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where someone is on a street and they turn and suddenly they're on a different street and you're watching going, wait a second, that's not how that works. But that's not how they did this movie. This movie is very like, and I think since getting around LA is is such a plot point, they actually represent it fairly well. Um, and uh, I, I really liked, uh, it, I really liked the characterization of both uh, Jamie Foxx, who felt like, a real person like he had dreams and he's kind of just stuck in his life and here comes this force in the in the in the body of Tom Cruise who comes into his life and just forces change on him and it's a terrifying experience but ultimately is uh, it changes him for the better and I think that that's uh, I think it's very interesting it's it's shot mostly on digital which was a weird thing for the time, like for 20 years ago, to have a movie shot almost entirely uh, on digital video. You can tell that it's done, but I kind of didn't mind it, and um, yeah, I just, uh, everything is interesting. Everybody's performances are top-notch. One of the things, uh, the the cop character came, in, came onto the screen, and I'm sitting there watching him going, God, he looks so familiar. Who is this guy? Like, uh, he looks... I just can't place it. He looks from it, and then he started to talk, and I'm like, "Oh my God, it's uh, it's uh, it's Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, and yeah. uh, it's the Hulk." Yeah, and it, uh, it's
0: Mark Ruffalo looking nothing at all like Mark Ruffalo.
1: Really? Yeah, yeah. it's it's quite it's quite strange. Uh, and I liked the ending. I thought it was a, it was a little more actiony than I expected it to be. But um, so. Last week, I talked about this not being a Tom Cruise movie, but there are a couple of very Tom Cruise things in this movie. Number one, you get Tom Cruise running. And uh, and you also get Tom Cruise being an expert at learning how to do the things that the character does. In this case, using a gun. Like, the way he operates a, a firearm and uh, is so proficient at it is a type of thing where you're like, well, he must have trained several months to do that, and uh, and I did some looking into it, and yeah, sure enough, he did. And so, um, I just loved all that, all that the, the attention to detail is is pretty fantastic. So, uh, what did you think of Collateral? Before I get any more into it,
0: <laughs> well, uh, I struggled a little bit with this movie. There's a really nice setup. Uh, you know, I like the setup, the idea of this cab driver who unknowingly picks up an assassin and ends up having to drive him around for the night. Um, But there were a lot of points in this movie when I was struggling with my suspension of disbelief. And you know that that's a big thing with me. And you know, my theory that like, once you, once a movie loses you, it's really hard to get back. And I, Mm -hmm. I, I struggled with it very early on. And so I'm going to do my best here to not nitpick apart a bunch of things that I found sort of ridiculous because I I think we can just, we can just safely assume that this is a fantasy movie that is not meant to be super grounded in the real world. And, and so it's a
1: noir, it's essentially a neo-noir, uh, almost a thriller, but a little bit of actiony. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you what I really, really, really liked about this movie. Can you guess what it is?
1: Uh-hmm. No, Jamie. No, Fo- I don't. Jamie Fox. Oh, oh yeah. okay, great. He great. was
0: absolutely fantastic in this. Yeah, I, I, don't think I've ever really known. I don't I, like. I don't think I've ever really watched a Jamie Fox movie, and so. A couple of weeks ago, we watched oh, Baby Driver, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was in that. And I was I was a little bit surprised, but then this movie he he carries this movie. You mentioned that he was nominated for an o- Oscar for mm-hmm. Best Supporting Actor, which to me is total BS. To mm-hmm. me, he is the main character of this movie. And, yeah, that is interesting. right. And I realize that's Oscar politics. That's not really like oh, we choose. You know, it's it's about positioning yourself for a category and whatever. But for me, this movie is about Jamie Foxx's character and his response to this force of nature sort of coming into it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But you know what I think that is, is that um, I think it's the same year that he did Ray, where he played Ray Charles, Mm -hmm. and I think he got nominated for Best Actor in that movie. So I think that was the deal. Like, they didn't want him to be nominated, or you can't maybe be nominated twice for Best Actor in the same... I think you can.
0: Yeah, unless they were the same studio and the studio thought he would be better
1: positioned, but I don't know.
0: It's not important. Um
1: yeah. but it is fascinating that year was a big one, a big breakout year for Jamie Foxx.
0: Yeah, and he was really fantastic. He deserves every bit of goodwill at least for this uh that that he got. Um so one thing another thing that I kind of struggled with is I Picked up on the twist very very early. The fact that Jada Pinkett's character is the final target, I pegged mm-hmm. that almost immediately. Uh, which is sure, on because
1: that, why else why else cast Jada Pinkett? Why else cast Jada Pinkett? We've we've and run into this problem before.
0: And the, uh, yeah, Harrison Ford and What Lies Beneath, yep. right? Um, yeah. And I you know and that's on me, right? That's that's me being like, oh well, movies work in this way, right? And, uh, but, but I think it did kind of, it, it felt, you know, that was supposed to be like a surprising twist that ups, ratchets up the stakes. And instead I was just like waiting for it. Right. And so it it didn't feel Mm. like it ratcheted up the stakes for me. So like I said, that's, you, you know, that's on me. That's not really the movie's fault. I mean, I guess you could blame them for not casting an
1: unknown in that part, but, um, you know, well, and I do wonder maybe how, maybe she wasn't as big back then. She uh, wasn't you know, twenty years ago. Yeah,
0: she wasn't as
1: big, but she was still pretty pretty well known. Because um, wasn't that about? I guess, yeah, I guess she'd done the Matrix movies then, and uh, Scream Two was. But she did the same kind of thing in Scream Two, where she was like, she wasn't above playing small roles in big movies. Sure, right. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I do get what you're saying, and I also realized like, you piece it together and. Um, it, it didn't it didn't wreck anything for me. And I don't think that they needed... I don't think that they were hinging the movie on that twist, necessarily.
0: No, but I think that's the thing that moves you into the third act, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing that... That's sort of the dividing line between Jamie Foxx as a somewhat passive character. I mean, yeah, there's like a flash of it, right? But the, he's a pretty passive character up to that point. And then... Yeah. When you know, so Tom Cruise has needled him a couple of times about giving this woman a call, and of course, you you know that this guy's a psycho and he has already seen his hit list and knows that this woman is on it while he's needling Jamie Foxx about it, right? And so that's uh, but yeah, and then that's the thing that like sort of not transforms him, but definitely pushes jamie fox to do something other than sit in the cab and hope not to die right right
1: yes yeah yeah which i you know i'm 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 all for that i thought his uh his journey was smooth and uh and understandable like his his arc was it didn't seem outlandish to me for him to finally get to a point where he's pushing back against this very very scary character and um and whether it's whether it's he ultimately realizes that he's going to die anyway, so you might as well die fighting rather than, you know, just letting it happen or um, or whether he, you know, something else builds up inside him. But uh, I thought that that was believable. Uh, I... Well, go ahead. Well, I was to say just...
0: It? gonna Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I mean, that, like, for me, he's the main character of the movie. His journey is most believable. I... That was, that was the core of this movie for me and to the extent that mm-hmm. this is going to get any kind of rating from me, that's... That's why, right? Because Jamie Foxx was fantastic and his character's journey was really good. Okay. I but well I hated I hated Tom Cruise in this. Really? Yeah. I really, really wow. did. I thought well, first of all, he shows up on screen looking like a kid in our town playing a grandpa. Like he's got this ridiculous silver die job that just is no, no. I don't ever want to see Tom Cruise with a gray dye job. He <laughs> like it looked so bad and so fake and so like he it looks, did look
1: very fake. Yeah. yeah,
0: he looks like I said he looks like a kid in our town or or it death of a It is a salesman. thing.
1: It is a thing that uh, a few times over the course of the movie, I I just notice you just you just are like, oh yeah, that's right. Oh okay, okay. Uh, and you're
0: yeah. So here's uh, use your use your creative brain here for a second and tell me wh- why what was, what was the point of that
1: because well for probably two reasons one is that you don't want him to look like Tom Cruise um you know Tom he's his hair is one of the things he's known for and um and it's very it's very distinctive and then the other the other thing is probably tom cruise wanting to differentiate himself somehow you know uh doing the uh, wesley snipes in uh, demolition man thing where it's like he just wants to do something different yeah um, okay well and i and i, I get it i allow for that i don't it doesn't bother me that much yeah but I do um, I do agree with you that it was noticeable.
0: Yeah. So and then the other thing is is like and he's a very good actor, right? And he his character, especially in these first couple of interactions, is a total total a hole, just a raging jerk. And boy, did I really really hate him. And I guess I'm supposed to hate him, right? Because he's a bad person who does bad things. But I found myself like viscerally uncomfortable every time he was on screen
1: talking. In the first couple scenes with him oh, and God, yeah, yeah, that's on purpose though.
0: Yeah, I he's understand that. Oh. I understand that it's on purpose, oh. but I didn't like it. <laughs> like I didn't oh, it made me okay. want to not watch it,
1: right? <laughs> oh, well yeah. it didn't have it didn't give me that reaction, but it did it it did make me dislike him, but you're supposed to dislike him because he's a killer. But I love I personally plot wise that works very well for me because he is testing the driver. Like he wants to know if this guy's going to push back. You know what kind of person is this person who he's going to be riding around with? So he's testing him to see how much he's going to push back against this kind of behavior.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. He's uh,
1: he's he's a real jerk. You know. <laughs> Well, but I think that's that's part of the other arc is that, as you go along, you do see that he has depth as well, and his arc is this uh this kind of begrudging uh respect for for Jamie Fox's character to the point where he does save his life when he doesn't have to and even earlier than that there's no reason why once things go south once once the whole plan goes a little sideways when the body lands on the on the cab there's no reason why he wouldn't just kill him why tom cruise's character wouldn't kill jamie fox's character and then go get a different cab right for the rest but, of to the me, night.
0: but to me that's sort of a plot
1: weakness right well, there's a reason for that too. Oh, like I also okay. was a, had a problem with that. Like I, my mind, you know, was going through it. But they do actually cover that by talking. That's essentially his mo is hiring a cab driver to take him through the city for a night and then kill the cab driver and frame them for the murders. Mm. Right. And so because uh, they they talk about that happening in a different city, and uh, it's okay. the right, yeah, Mark mean, Ruffalo I, character that's like uh, that's I a little suspicious that. to me. Yeah, yeah I think it's I a, that. a little. I might have the first time around too, and it's a thing that I just picked up on this time, uh, but they do, a, they do. it is an on-purpose thing, and so there's a reason why he doesn't just ditch Jamie Foxx at that point, but um, it could have. And, and and so, and I think one of the reasons, he, as he goes, he gets kind of more respectful of this character, but man, I mean, when I watch Tom Cruise in the scene with the in the jazz club, talking to that guy, and the the connection that he has as an actor with the other actor that's it's it's brilliant acting um and this is from me as an actor talking uh, i I can't get enough of this of him like I think he's fantastic I think yeah. he's very underrated I mean <laughs> well no like Tom Cruise has gotten his due like he's gotten some award uh consideration f- and that kind of thing but like I-, I respect him a lot more than um than I think most people do like his craziness gets in gets in his way sometimes mm-hmm. but man i think he's a, a really fantastic actor um okay. yeah i'm sorry you didn't uh you didn't you didn't dig him in this one
0: yeah and so obviously that was a that was a big miss for me and then there was oh i spent a large portion of this movie so like i said i'm not going to harp on this but i just spent a large portion of the movie but going like but why but why but wait but why, right? And you know, it's funny, right? Because I I loved Heat, but I think about who I was when I loved Heat, right? I was like a twenty two year old guy. You know, right? I've never seen Heat. Oh, you should watch it. Um, yeah,
1: I know. Everybody, I, I know I should. Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: Gosh, well then, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil too much of a, about it. For you, other than to say it's the kind of movie that twenty-two-year-old guys who don't who aren't super self-reflective really like.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. One of the other things I wanted, I do want to touch on though, is the the amount of preparation and uh, uh, you know, I mean. Tom Cruise, for sure, did a lot of training to become so proficient at, a, at, a, at using a gun, um, and it's clear that he did that. But also, you look at Jamie Foxx and his uh, his preparation in becoming this character, and, and then Michael Mann, just in his like planning and uh, the amount of choreography and, uh, I think, work that went into the script I thought was pretty good. They talk about how they wrote uh, backstories for both, Cruz and fox's characters so that they both knew where they came from but they didn't really have to touch on it in the character you know you don't need to know that one of their you know fathers was abusive and a drunk and all that stuff to to see them in this moment in their lives mm-hmm. but uh, i did enjoy that you basically you don't get a lot of before right you get this is a moment where this story starts and you kind of see it through uh for this night and mm-hmm. i just it feels compact. It feels um I don't know, I really ended up I, I I really ended up liking it even on the second time through.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. What did you think really of the
1: cool. filmmaking itself? Like uh, one of the things that I pegged early on was this digital filmmaking style. And it's not the whole thing. Some of it is shot with film, but uh, most of it is uh with digital cameras. Did you notice that? Uh, not really. I'm not i mean i'm not
0: a filmmaker myself and mm-hmm. so things kind of all look you know the same to me right
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay i'm just yeah. curious
0: sorry yeah uh i right. i i'm curious for you so you know spoiler alert for this 20 year old movie but like jamie fox comes out on top and tom cruise dies at the end did that did that play for you
1: Yeah, I think it was necessary, uh, actually, for the story. Like, I think it's the most satisfying way for the story to end. Oh, story-wise,
0: sure. Story-wise, sure. But, like, just, like... Did it it feel earned? Yeah, because, I mean, at one point, Jamie Foxx, like, doesn't realize that he needs to rack the gun before trying to fire it, right? And Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise is a guy who... The police ballistics experts are impressed with how accurate he is, you know. Oh, A- so, so you're talking about even just, in just
1: that final moment.
0: Yeah, this, this final moment where, like, I understood what happened, but it just felt
1: like, did, would Tom Cruise really
0: make that kind of mistake, you know?
1: Well, I think that it was a lot of luck, uh, and I think that in that moment, you're on a train, which is moving, uh, and, you know, so you're not, you don't have balance, uh, necessarily. Um, it didn't bug me, and I think that, especially since he had already been shot once, he was probably, uh, you know, he, he had a bit of a, he, he basically got shot grazed in the head once Mm -hmm. and so he was probably losing a lot of blood he had his equilibrium off you know because he was shot in the ear or whatever it was and uh so you know i can justify that just fine and not feel too bad about it that's fair. um yeah and i really liked the poetry of of you know the guy on the subway even though subways in la don't really go around like i don't um i think they actually happened to be on the one subway that goes down to long beach and then kind of around in a circle before it heads back up to the uh the city downtown um but most of our subways don't do that uh they go you know point to point back and mm-hmm. forth yeah. so uh and they're checked like you know metro security gets on and clears mm-hmm. off the clears off the train you know between every it clears ride.
0: all the dead bodies off in between yeah exactly exactly yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, there was a train in uh, in Osaka that was a big circle. And, and I actually did get on it once or twice just to ride around in a circle mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times. Um, but yeah, that's not how LA subways work.
0: Yeah, the but, London Tube also has, uh, I think they actually go both directions around the circle.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that so, makes sense. Yeah. It would. So, um, all right, all right. Uh, anything else you want to
0: pick at? Uh, no, no, I, I don't want to pick at. It because I, I know that you like... And it's funny, I had a real surreal moment after watching this movie. Because I really, I didn't mostly like it, right? Hmm. And, you know, and so I looked up a few things about it. I looked up the Wikipedia page and I looked up a few, like, critical... And the critical reception of this movie was really fantastic, right? A lot of top real. ten lists and things like that. and But it was funny because when you read the the details of their positive reviews, the things that bother them are also the things that bothered me. But for sure. some reason, they were just willing to be like, this is a really great movie that has a giant plot hole, right? And and I was like, uh, okay, I mean, I guess if you're willing to forgive that, then, you know, I guess, I guess yeah. every movie is good if you're willing to forgive the bad parts.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense, uh, definitely. Um, the... And one of the, that's one of the problems I have with Rotten Tomatoes in general is that it takes every review and basically turns it into a binary where it's mm-hmm. either fresh or not. Yeah. And uh, and so you could have a hundred reviews that are all just barely fresh. Each and you know like if you had ranked each review in a one to ten, yeah. all of them would be at like six. Yeah. Um, but because they're all technically fresh, it gets like a hundred percent Rotten Tomato score. Whereas like Metacritic is, a, for me, a better way to do it because it does kind of do that uh, analysis of a review. Mm-hmm. Um, well, why don't you go ahead and give it a rating, a, a 1 to 10?
0: Oh, boy, this is tough for me. Obviously, it's, it's going to be below average because I mostly didn't like it. Um, wow, okay. I know, I know. That's all right. Um, can I, I, I'm going to go with what I, I want to go with rather than what I would go with if I was trying to be kind
1: to you. This, okay, yeah, this... no, don't don't be kind to me. This I don't have much um I'm not precious about this movie. This is a 3 for me. Whoa, that does surprise me. Uh, no, no, no. It's it, it just surprises yeah. me. I'm okay being it, surprised. Uh, yeah, it's it okay is that you didn't love it.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I like I said, I loved Jamie Fox. Uh, Jada Pinkett was fine. I hated Tom Cruise. And wow, I did, There was so much in this movie that just kind of threw me out of it, or or that I actively disliked. That I just, it it was the three for me. It was hey, there was some okay. stuff in it that was really well done, but it didn't hang together for me.
1: All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, for me, uh, I rated it an 8 uh, on IMDb and the, the average rate, uh, the average ranking is a 7.5 on IMDb for this movie. And uh, for the record, it was fairly popular. It, uh, on a budget of $65 million, it had a uh, $220 million worldwide box office. So, yeah, uh, I, well. I saw
0: that and I was uh, again, I was super surprised because I was like, oh, man, this one's a tough one. And then I looked at yeah. it, and it was very successful. But, you know, I, th- th- we've had a few of those movies where, uh, you know, I were both of us thought it was kind of a dog. And then it turned out it made, you know, hundreds. Of yeah. Well, of that dollars, is so. I
1: mean, that happens way more than I'm comfortable with in this world. But uh, bad stuff gets uh, is oftentimes popular. So, um, all right. Well, let's move on to uh, the music. Tell me about uh, tell me about music. Portishead, Portish, <laughs> Portishead. So
0: Portishead is a band. Uh, it's actually just two people. One is but kind of the instrumentalist, and one is the vocalist. And it is a I think the best example of the genre known as trip hop. So I one of the things that I want to do in this in this experiment of ours is just expo- expose you to some genres that you have never been exposed to before. And trip-hop was kind of a flash in the pan. It was really a combination of, uh, of the beats and the sort of musical soundscape of hip-hop combined with a... Um, sort of theatrical female vocals it was almost always uh theatrical female vocals and portishead is not the only band that did this uh the, the there's another very very popular band named massive attack but i was and and to almost to the point where there was like a beatles uh rolling stones thing between fans of the two bands uh where you were kind of on one side or the other as to which one was better uh, and then there were a whole bunch of like smaller bands. Um, but this is a, a genre that kind of flamed out very quickly. Massive Attack only had one really popular album. Portishead had two really popular albums. As a genre, it was really only a going concern for about five or six years. But for a while there, there was a ton of trip-hop out there. So mm. this is my favorite Portishead album. And I, Travis... This, of all the things that we have done, this is the one that I have no idea what you will have a reaction to the most. Like, you could give this a 1, and I'd be like, yeah, that's fair, and you could give it a 10, and I'd be like, yeah, that's fair. I really have no idea how you're going to feel about this.
1: It, this was a this was definitely an experience for me listening to this album, and uh, it was, uh, I will say, on the whole, good, because i th- this was an immensely artistic album right mm-hmm. and i it's, it's so funny because i started listening to it i think on my walk to play ultimate frisbee in the rain on saturday oh wow and that was a perfect time yeah. to start listening to this album like For sure. this is a walking in the drizzly rain album for yeah. sure. And it uh it was kind of perfect and it it fit the mood, but not in a not in a morose dour way necessarily, but it just fit. Mm-hmm. And I think because my mood was was kind of a little upbeat, but the weather was downbeat and it had this interesting mix uh that the music fit perfectly. Uh I will it it's a, it's an the music I can kind of categorize in my head as a, like, surly middle schooler girl who just is really, really talented and, like, amazing at uh, mixing her own songs and writing and and doing instrumentals and stuff like that because um, it did have that, like, angsty teen feel, that vibe, Mm -hmm. but... It was very impressive musically mm-hmm. um and it has a lot of things on it that I in the past have not liked, like a lot of uh a lot of processing on the vocals and stuff like that. but here it felt so deliberate mm-hmm. and so like it was a like it was a tool like it was a scalpel being used by the artist, and there's even like Static Mm -hmm. in this in some of these songs. Wait, static that
0: didn't bother you?
1: Static that did not bother me. Wow, because unusual. It was almost another instrument that was being used. Yeah, and it wasn't. It wasn't. It was. It was like in my head, I'm listening to it and I'm like seeing it almost. You know how when you watch static on a on a screen, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just say on the screen, you're getting a thousand particles in you know quote unquote of static right this would be like 50 particles of static being used like 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 pepper or salt you know as seasoning for the song but it was so like i don't know so on purpose uh i had to appreciate the artistry of that um i would have liked a little more oh oh here's the uh here's the interesting comparison that i made when i was a kid i used to be really big into soundtracks when you met me i mm-hmm. was probably i was really big into soundtracks so jurassic park you know uh batman anything by john williams star wars all that stuff i owned these soundtracks and i owned the batman returns soundtrack which is mm-hmm. almost entirely danny elfman music from the okay. score except for one song by Susie and the banshees oh okay and. I wanted very much to go back and listen to that song before we recorded, but I just didn't get to it because I've also been working on other things. But that connection mm-hmm. was very strong in my brain that this was like right along those lines, and I really liked that song. Yeah, uh, back when I you know I haven't heard it in a couple decades, but uh, I, I that's the connection that I made. So I would have liked a little more variety in this album. Yeah, yeah. you know it is kind of. Not one note, but a short... It's very
0: constrained. It's very constrained. Yeah. uh,
1: The genre, the feeling are all very constrained in that same kind of small area. And I would have appreciated a little more variety. Uh, But ultimately, I I really respected the the musical work
0: on this. Yeah. yeah these are beautiful soundscapes i you know i listened to it good three or word four, good yeah, word it's, yeah <laughs> three or four times this week because uh, it you really can just kind of get lost in them everything it's so if you've never listened to trip hop listener it's very slow right there's a lot of room in between the beats and room that gets filled up with smaller sounds or maybe just a few notes on a guitar or a big booming bass or they're like, everything has room to breathe. This is not like overwhelming wall of sound. You know, what's that? I hear a harmonica deep, you know, deep under four layers of distorted guitar. This is is the opposite of that. This is like, you can very distinctly hear everything that's going on and it's all got room to to expand and fill the space. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I really like that about this. It is very, you know, I've been listening to like a lot of metal lately and things that are, you know, kind of heavy and really fill up a room with like sound and distortion. And this is this is the opposite of that. This fills up a room unequivocally, but mm-hmm. it does it with very, very simple elements that combine to form a greater whole, you know? Yeah. I would absolutely agree with you that tonally this is all in the same, it's very, very similar to one another. I love the songs on this, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if you spent a lot of time going, is this a different song or is this the same song?
1: You know? A little bit of that. Yeah, for sure. The other thing that I uh, really pegged as I was listening to it was it sounded like a it's so I mentioned Susie and the Banshees. To me it sounded like uh Susie the Banshees auditioning for a James Bond song. You know? Mm-hmm. James yeah. Bond has that those songs. In fact there's one song that sounds so much like like Earth Kit. I don't know who sang that uh you know <laughs> gold finger. You know, there's that yes. they almost use that same voice and yes. and they even have exactly horns yeah. and like that kind of feel so uh it it felt very like james bond
0: angsty teen (laughs) no that's a really good spot i you know when i was looking at the wikipedia page for this the sort of research one of the things that it talks about as an influence on trip hop is spy movies you know oh interesting yeah so oh yeah i can hear that for sure yeah and then another thing is—is is actually they have sampled Susie and the Banshees. So you, really?
1: know you know what sampling is, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I so, mean, do you want to explain in case any any of our listeners are, uh, are? Well,
0: if any of you don't know what sampling is, I always assume Travis is the least educated among among sure, us. When it comes sure. Sure. That music. makes sense. I called myself music
1: dumb last week, but it's really music ignorant. Is, uh.
0: is using a snippet of. A different uh musical work inside your own and and incorporating it into the work uh and typically it's very expensive to clear samples which is to say get permission to to use them sure
1: well uh that's great um i i i I can rate it i don't know if i have anything more uh, critical or you know uh,
0: that's all right to say Let's see. I I do have one small correction. I said there were only two people in Portishead. That is incorrect. There's also a guitarist. So there's the producer guy. There's uh, Beth, I think it's Beth Gibbons, uh, who is the singer. And there is the guitarist, who Mm. is Mm. Adrian Utley. So uh, I feel a little bad that I said it was only two, but I thought it was, and I was wrong.
1: I do think the name, uh, m- m- are you positive that it's Portishead and not Portishead? Yeah, I
0: am positive
1: that it's Portishead, okay. yeah. because I think Portishead is a is a fairly decent name as well, but Portishead they write it is... all in one word.
0: Yeah, Portishead is actually a place. Oh, it's okay. A t- it's a town in Somerset, England. Oh, interesting.
1: Oh, well, I had no idea. Well, then, good for them. Yeah. Uh, I-, I also think Portishead is a pretty good name for a town in Somerset, England. Huh. well uh this is going to be a uh i I think this is going to be a firm seven for me um it's probably not the kind of music that i would listen to uh, like on my own but Mm -hmm. uh, on the kevin Novacek scale of uh of experiences i think this is definitely something that i am better for having had Mm-hmm. And uh, I appreciate the experience of listening to this uh, this album a couple times, and would recommend it to our listeners. I think it's I think it's fun uh, and just artistically, it's very impressive. So um, yeah, a good That's seven for me. A good awesome. seven.
0: Awesome. That's very exciting. Uh, this is an eight for me, bordering on a nine, but I don't give half mm-hmm. ratings. Uh, so. Nope. <laughs> It's an 8. I really, really love it. I will say that it was released in, I want to say, 1997. And at one point in my life, I listened to this album over and over and over again. But I actually hadn't heard it in probably a decade uh, when I assigned
1: it to you. Nice. Uh, but I really enjoyed diving back into it this week. So That's fun. I mean, that was, that was me with Collateral. It's uh, been almost 20 years since I've seen that movie, yeah. which is crazy. Crazy. So uh, do you, you want
0: to give me something for next week? I do want to give you something for next week. So as I said, I spent some time in Illinois this week. I'm sorry. This weekend. No, not at all. It was actually quite <laughs> lovely. That's it more was, of a
1: Wisconsin joke. It was <laughs> like
0: south-central Illinois, so far, far away from the wilds of Chicago. And uh, I was reminded of the Sufjan Stevens album, Illinois, Uh, Do you know who Sufjan Stevens is? Never
1: heard that name in my
0: life. Sufjan Stevens is a uh, songwriter and multi-instrumentalist singer. uh, Are they a descendant
1: of Cat Stevens?
0: No. Oh. And he is really... uh, He's kind of in the folk tradition almost, but very uh, pretty big orchestrations. Uh, And he, early on in his career... Decided to start a project where he was going to write a theme album about every single US state. He oh. started he started with Michigan, which is his home state, and then his second album was called Illinois, and it was about the state of Illinois, and it's a whole bunch of songs about various aspects of Illinois. Casimir Pulaski, Chicago, John Wayne Gacy, Superman, um, all sorts of things uh, that are Illinois-related. You are about to say
1: something. Uh, no, I just I, I thought it was one song per state, but he's doing an album for every state.
0: Well, he gave up after Illinois. Oh, but,
1: so he did two.
0: So you remember how I decided I was going to write a song <laughs> every week for say a that, year? Yes. Yeah, this is sort of like that. He he abandoned the project after two albums. He is still writing and recording, and he does a lot of really great stuff. His biggest hits that he have ever has ever had in his career are off of this album. I did not quite give you the whole album because it's almost an hour and 20 minutes long, and I love you and know that you probably don't want to listen to an hour and 20-minute long album. So Thanks. I cut it down a fair bit. It's now under an hour. I think it's about 55 minutes, which is still a little long for us, but I think you'll like it. There's a lot of really good sort of... I want to say operatic, pop, folk, rock, stuff, and uh, right. and there's a song about John Wayne Gacy, so I think you'll love it.
1: There you go. Yeah. Well, that should be interesting. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this week, I want before I give you my uh, my assignment, I need to ask: Have you seen *The Flight of the Navigator*, the 1986 Disney movie? I have indeed. Oh, okay. Recently?
0: Yeah, like last year.
1: Oh okay. Oh wow. Okay, great. Uh, so um, the, it popped into my head recently because um, it—I uh, I was just going through my Disney movie library online and I saw that it was in there, and I realized I hadn't watched it in probably a couple of decades. And uh, so, but interestingly, the spaceship in it ha- is voiced by uh, Paul Rubens, who recently yeah. died, but yeah. is not credited yeah. as Paul Rubens. Yeah, he, uh, I'd forgotten he, this. Yes, he wanted to be, uh, he hadn't done Pee-wee's Playhouse yet, mm-hmm. but he wanted for some reason to be credited as something else mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. And uh, so I remember as a kid, the the spaceship sounding like Pee-wee Herman, mm-hmm. but I assumed all this time that it was a voice actor doing a Pee-wee Herman impression for parts of the of the work, but it's not. Yeah. But what I really wanted to say was that Rewatching this movie, it is shockingly moving. Like I was it's crying at emotional. the beginning part. Yeah. Because it's this kid who has been missing for eight years and he returns home. He hasn't aged. His parents are. He's confused and scared out of his mind. His parents are are, are emotional wrecks. And like it's a crazy crazy movie uh, and it's i i was crying watching this kid and and the the young actor they got to play the lead emotionally reminded me of uh like um elliot from et yeah and how how strong of a how young actor he was and yeah. so uh yeah well anyway, and i mean you, i think
0: this is a that was a movie that came out you know, in the wake of ET and was definitely trying to catch some of that shine for sure. For
1: sure. And a lot of the same creative crew, cause this was actually not a Disney production. It was an independent film that Disney picked up to distribute. And so, uh, but a lot of the creative crew, uh, also worked on Mac and me, the, the, the complete and total awful ET ripoff that was done. Um, you know in the mid 80s anyway so uh okay <laughs> uh, i'll let it go uh definitely if you haven't seen flight of the navigator recently see it uh i i don't i rated it and i don't even remember what i rated it but uh i think it was pretty high like a like a, a nine even so it was really good um so what i am going to give you though is another movie another recent movie that just came out this year and uh, uh it just came out on some streaming services so it's free to watch And that movie is Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. It's a uh, Chris Pine vehicle that just came out this year. Uh, I did not see it in theaters, I don't think. But I did see it when it became available for streaming on, uh, I think, Paramount Plus. Almost immediately. But it was a very successful movie and got a ton of good reviews. And when I watched it, I um, I was very impressed by how fun it was. So I am uh, going to give you that, and I'm going to watch it again. I've been waiting to watch oh, it again. Oh, nice. Okay. So uh, I'm looking forward to now. I think it's on Amazon Prime is where it's on, as in addition to, um, well, well, maybe. I, I
0: just started up with a and d game this year for the first time oh. since college. I did played got... D&D. Well, I didn't up until this year. Uh, I mean, back in college,
1: I did. Right, right, right. Um, but I played in middle school, but haven't played since then. And yeah, I very much like to. Yeah. It's so popular I. Popular again.
0: Yeah, it is. It is pretty popular. the The latest edition of the rules, which came out, I want to say, six or seven years ago, has been very successful in bringing people into the game. They simplified a lot of things that were sort of unnecessarily complicated, and and I think the products that are available now are really are really engaging people in the game. So yeah, Five oh, E well, is fantastic. really good. Yeah i highly recommend finding a group if you can
1: that's great Uh, there is a uh, a really great community episode centered around dungeons and dragons and it's been pulled from most streaming services because it features one of the characters dressed up as a night elf um and so it's uh it's it's basically blackface but it's like it's like black black not even you know it's not as a it's it's a dumb reason to pull the episode and and it's called out in the episode and it's it's it's, it's stupid because it's such a good episode and the episode is basically about uh, suicide prevention and uh, stuff like that. And so it's got such a great theme. It's a shame for that episode not to be around. I might try to find it, see if it's available and send that to you. But um, yeah, I cannot wait to talk yo about this movie ho, with you. Yo-ho, yo-ho, sailing on the pirate seas. Oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> shh, shh, quiet. All right. Shut up. Uh,
0: well, Travis, I got to say, we are, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to cut some things out of here. But yeah, we are we're running out of really time. really all out of time. So I just want to thank you this week for exposing yourself to me.
1: Oh, thank you for exposing yourself to me, Matt. And uh, if our listeners would like to expose themselves to us, please write us at uh, Exposing Podcast at gmail.com or finding us on the Facebook page. And let us know what you think of our ratings and if you agree or disagree. And uh, Matt, we'll talk to you next week.
0: Yep, yeah, we'll talk to you next week.